Okay, Boker Tov and Chodesh Tov, a good Chodesh. We continue, we are still in this piece by Revolba, in Ali Shor Chelik Beis, Marechas Ha'avodah Musaras, Perk Shemon Asar, Vad Shlishi. In case that wasn't confusing enough, page Shin Tes Vav. Shin Tes Vav, 315, Vad Shlishi. How many people did their homework from last week? How many people remember what their homework was from last week? I can proudly tell you, I will proudly tell you that I did my homework from last week. The homework was, you remember Avobah said, Tafasta Merubalo Tafasta, don't take on too much. Begin with a commitment. We're learning about Birchas Hananin. We're learning about how brachos transform us. A hundred a day, a hundred times a day, Hashem says, text me, check in, let me know that you know I'm here. I want to, I want to confirm that you're living with the presence, a mindfulness of my existence. So we do it a hundred times a day. And Revolba said, I'm not assigning you a hundred times a day to do it with Kavana. That'd be lovely. Be nice. It's the ultimate goal. But start with a little bit. And if you remember how he defined what the little bit was. Nobody remember? We could just learn the same thing every single week. <laughs> and we'd be good to go. I'll just repost this. In fact, I'll just put the recording. I won't even come. We'll drop off the coffee and press play. And uh, everyone will say, wow, what a great class. I never heard that before. Okay, so if you remember, Revolba said the first bracha of benching, benching is Doraisa. According to some, it's the only bracha we say, which is biblical in origin. According to others, benching and birchas Torah are both. But the first bracha of benching is most significant. And in it, we say the words. And that was the mission. If you remember, that was the homework. For these words alone, four words, to concentrate for four words. Make a commitment to concentrate for four words. So particularly when I was in Israel just now, over Shabbos, you wash at least three times. You're supposed to wash at least three times. So you bench and say these words at least three times. And I can tell you, by thinking about those words and what we talked about last week, I was incredibly moved. I don't know if I ever cried during benching before in my life, but I did this week because Revolver reminded us, Betuvo b'chein b'chesed v'rachamim. Just the opening words of benching. God, you sustain the entire world. The whole world. Betuvo, with your goodness, with your chain, with your chesed, with your rachamim. And Revolba's insight from last week was that when we say those words, it's not just about that particular morsel of food. You're not just benching over the kazayas of bread. It's not that you ate the minimum requisite of bread. What are you benching over? The bread, breaking bread with others, experiencing a meal. It's not just about the food you ate, it's about the ambiance. It's about every component of it. So just to give you an insight into what I thought about was, wow, Hashem invented planes and I was able to get halfway across the world and attend my nephew's bar mitzvah. Here I am with a few of my children. Here I am with my family. Here I am with a simcha, that our family zocha for a simcha, that Kenai Nahara, people are healthy, grandparents are here. It's not just the challah, which happened to have been delicious. My sister's neighbor makes it. She makes the best challah. But it wasn't just, other than my wife, after my wife, it wasn't just the challah that you're saying the benching on. Every time you bench, wow, I have a dining room table. Wow, I have china and crystal and silver. Wow, I have a 17-course meal and people to eat it with. Wow, I'm at a simcha. I have people at my table. I go to their table. There's one. But it's the ambiance. It's not just the immediate. It's zooming out the lens and the gratitude we have for everything. So you all get a big F on your homework. A big fat F. But you can't get kicked out of this school. So too bad. Your punishment is you have to come more often. That's the punishment. But, um, but it's your homework for next week is... Before you get to the point of concentrating on all of benching, just the first bracha. And not even just the whole first bracha. The first words of the first bracha. Hazan es ha'ulam kulo v'tvo b'chein b'chesed u'verachamim. 
The difference between saying them without thinking and saying them with thinking is milliseconds. It's fractions of a second. It's not even seconds. Certainly not minutes or hours. But the difference just transforms your experience. You know what it is to pause in benching? You say, You just you look around. You try to identify the things you're grateful for. The brachos. If that doesn't change your day, I don't know what will. Benching is amazing. You're going to want to run. First of all, as Jews, we always find the excuses. So today's Rosh Chodesh. I should have some bread. I should bench. It's Rosh Chodesh. Yala v'yavo. It's a good excuse to break my gluten-free, carb-free <laughs> diet. So Rosh Chodesh, it's not my fault. You can't gain weight. It's Rosh Chodesh. So today's Rosh Chodesh. Make a point of eating bread today. Wash. Make a bracha beforehand. But do the, eat the bread, not just because you want the bread. Eat the bread because you can't wait to say this bracha. Because you want to be able to bench and say, wow, so all of this we spoke about last week. We're up to Vad Shlishi, the third Vad. By the way, my flights were smooth there and back. I have no good stories to tell you. Baruch Hashem, it all, it all worked out. I'm grateful to have no good stories to tell you. It's a hard work. It's difficult to live with ourselves, to minimally concentrate for at least some. That's why Hashem said, give me a hundred brachas a day, because maybe five of them will actually be focused on. <laughs> maybe, maybe, five percent, ten percent, twenty percent. And if you do, at least that's something. <laughs> we throw them from our mouths, right? We talked about it. You're already walking on after you came out of the bathroom. Benching, people are already clearing the table. You're making hand signals to other people about where they need to go, what they need to be doing right now, as you clear the table, as you're benching, as you're... That's not a benching, that's not an ashiyatzer. Shahako, you swallowed the shahako faster than you swallowed the cup of water. That's not a shahako. So instead of throwing it, dismissing it from our mouths, to concentrate. So says Revolba, the key is getting started. If you can concentrate and focus on one or part of one, it can't help but overflow to other areas. I think there's a general cloud, a general rule with discipline. When you're disciplined in one area of your life, it tends to overflow and overlap into other areas of your life. If you're good with your eating, you're going to likely start exercising. You go to the exercise, you're going to eat. If you go with your eating and your exercise, it's easier to be careful about Lashon Hara or about davening or concentrating. When a person is in a zone of discipline, that zone encompasses different areas and components of life. And when you're not in a zone, when you're totally out of the zone and you're undisciplined in eating, undisciplined in speaking, undisciplined in watching, undisciplined in time and punctuality, then you're undisciplined. So says Revolba, the key is not to say, I'm going to be disciplined in everything. The key is get disciplined in something, and by being disciplined in something, it will impact and overflow to other areas as well. When you take on too much, tafasta mir below tafasta. So become disciplined, or you try to become disciplined in absolutely every area of your life. I'm never going to look at it. I'm never going to say lashnara. I'm always going to dive. I'm going to concentrate every word. I'm going to... It's never going to happen. Because the first time you fail, which inevitably, invariably is going to happen, it's going to happen quickly, then you're going to give up on that whole goal of being perfect at everything. So the mission, the goal is not to set the end zone of being perfect, the goal line is not to be perfect at everything. The goal is to choose one thing. One thing. I'm not going to concentrate all benching. First paragraph, and if you concentrate on the first paragraph, if we take that one thing, it can't help but overflow to other areas. In the halachas of brachos, there is a hierarchy. There is an order. Which bracha do you say first? 
You have a cup of water, even a delicious cup of coffee, even a mocha, caramel, grande, latte, triple cappuccino, whatever. You have one of those in front of you, and you have an apple. Which bracha do you make first? So you might be more excited about the coffee. The bracha is there's a hierarchy. Bori Priyates comes before Shahako. Why? Bori Priyates kodemashicha shuva sheina poteres al dabar echad. Because it's specific, Shahako is generic. It's the catch all bracha. Bori Priyates is specific to fruit that which grows on a tree. By being more specific and being more limited, it's more special, and therefore it is higher priority. Orachayim simen reshiyod alaf mishnah burua. So the principle, the rule is, the more specific a bracha, the more limited, the more narrow, the more significant, the more chashev the bracha is. That's the rule. The most significant brachos are hamotzi, because hamotzi you only say on one thing, bread. You only say on one drink, wine, or grape juice, which is a form of wine. So the most on the on the um, spectrum, thank you. The most specific and therefore the most high are Hamotzi and Bari Priyagafen, and the least specific and therefore the least priority is the bracha of Shahako. Hanisayon meid shanu misorim yosem mibircha Shahako vealosanu aldas kikola olam kulo niya bedvaro shalakadish baruchu. Says Ravobi, you know, it's kind of paradoxical that, as it turns out, the least significant bracha is the easiest for us to concentrate on, and the more specific the bracha, the harder it is to connect to. So, for example, the bracha of Hamotzi, God, your Motzi Lecha Min Haaretz. Have you ever seen a miracle where God extracts bread from the ground? Bread doesn't go from the ground. Wheat grows from the ground. Barley, oats, rye, spelt. Grain grows from the ground. And the human being has to plow and plant and harvest and thresh and winnow and grind and, and knead and bake. So, hamotzi lechem in haaretz, you don't really see Hashem as bringing bread out of the ground. You see Publix and Winn-Dixie as providing bread on the shelf. And Baruch Hashem, that company reversed its plan and we'll still have kosher bread going forward. Where would the Jews be without entomans? Was a great act of uh, averted a great act of persecution and anti-Semitism. Baruch Hashem, we still have our, our entomans. So hamotzi lechem min haaretz. It's hard to connect to. Bori priha eitz. You create the fruit. That's hard. Shahakol shahakol nihiyeh bidvaro. God, you created everything, the whole world, with your word, the ultimate speech recognition. You spoke, and the world came to be. That you, God, created specifically the Priyagafen. You created the, the grape. So even though it's kind of paradoxical and backwards to the way we think, the truth is the more specific, the more narrow, the more detailed, the more we can tap into God's greatness, and the more the bracha can transform us. So there's a reason here to learn. To take for a few weeks, let's start with Shahakal. And the first three times we say to concentrate, to take upon ourselves, we're going to think about what it means. Hashem 
Specific. The grape was a specific choice. It grows on a vine as opposed to that which grows from a tree, as opposed to those things which grow from the ground. And each one, we spoke last week, Kosh gave it a shell, he gave it protection, he, he created it with its own wrapper so that it's not impacted by the elements or by insects. Wow, it's unbelievable. He invented, he created things with their own wrapper. And on the inside of them, he created our ability to continue to have it again. Imagine you had money, but inside the money was the ability to grow future money. So you could spend the money, but you'd also have the ability to never, never use up the principal because you could continue to spend future money. That's what Hashem did. When He gave us the fact that these things grow from the ground and they have seeds inside them that can grow more of it from the ground and sustain us and nourish us more, He gave us. He gives money. With inside the money is the capacity to continue to grow more money so we never run out of money. Assuming we don't blow it, we don't ruin it, we don't destroy it. Isn't that incredible? So when we contemplate and think about the eighths, the, the apple that we're about to eat, it's significant. I got pulled over. I do have a story. I got pulled over in customs on the way, <laughs> randomly, random selection, on the way through Miami airport. And they said, do you have any uh, you know, there were fruits and vegetables and animal parts and all that kind of stuff? I once got pulled over for an animal part because I had a big chauffeur I bought in Israel. It's hard to explain why I had a ram's horn coming through the airport. But I remember I had in my bag an apple. I had taken an apple from Israel if I, was, if I got hungry to eat it on the plane. And they took away my apple because you can't bring an apple in. So I understand they take away electronics, drugs, a briefcase full of money. But a little apple, what's the matter with my apple? It looked good. It was a pretty apple. It was no soft spots, not blemished. What were they worried was coming in with that apple? But you see the significance of an apple. Got to declare it at customs. I didn't declare it. You have to declare. I hereby declare I have an apple. <laughs> so it's enough to declare customs. It's enough to declare to the world, Tashem, the bracha you're making on that apple is a declaration. I hereby declare. I'm going through customs of this world and I declare. I declare this apple is incredible. It's got a peel and it's got seeds and it's delicious. And if you dip it in peanut butter, oh, geschmack, it's unbelievable. Shem made peanut butter too, peanuts. It's un- you never had apple and peanut butter? Oy. Somebody bring Essie some apples and peanut butter. It's the greatest snack. So, so when we concentrate, whether the shahako generic bracha, and we spoke about last week, the shahako includes within it also the ambiance. We talked up the markup. When you go to a restaurant in Manhattan, you pay for a, 10 times more, but there's very, very same food that you could have bought on the other side of the bridge. Why are you paying 10 times markup? Ooh, the ambiance of Manhattan. Psh. Pay for that ambiance of sitting on top of the person next to you who eavesdrops on your conversation <laughs> and the ambiance and the... Uh, they explain they're paying 10 times more rent. Why are they paying 10 times more rent? The ambiance, the, the real estate, the location, location, location. The point is, I'm not just making a bracha on a simple cup of water. I'm making a bracha, wow, the ambiance of this world. It's a clear sky and the sun is out and it's beautiful. And I'm in a room and there's air conditioning, there's light. I'm sitting in a comfortable chair. I'm about to drink this cup of water. The bracha is not just on the cup of water. The bracha is shakol. It's on Absolutely everything. So whether it's the ambiance and the generic of shahakol or the specific, bore pri It's about the grape. It's about the apple. It's about the orange. So Rav is just laying out for us how he's going to take us now through this through this journey. Vad We're up to the fourth. Ready? Pechin tezayin. 
Old school in the flow yeshna bebirchas hanenen. He knows nos tam chadash lahana atzma. Bo ureim maimer chazal biyalkut shemoni tehillim lamedalim. And here Revolba says there's another very very powerful idea within birchas hanenen, and it gives us a new idea and a new notion into the very idea of hanaa. What, what are these brachas called? What's the bracha called? A birchas ha nenen. It's a birchas hanenen. What's hanaa? Pleasure, joy, enjoyment. It's a birchas hanenen. Asalahanas minolam azebel bracha. You can't benefit from this world without making a bracha. Whether you're imbibing food or a pleasant aroma, you can't get the pleasures of this world without paying for it. And the currency we pay for it with is a bracha. So let's better define and understand what does it mean hanaa. What are we making this bracha on? Tamu ruuki tov Hashem. So pasuk in Tehillim, we say it Shabbos morning pesuket de Zimra. This was my Bubby's favorite, favorite Pasuk. I was laughing at me. I've become so predictable. This was my grandmother, my Bubby's favorite, favorite Pasuk when she was healthy, but the end of her life, even when she was sick and in a hospital bed. Ta'amuru. Taste and you will see. Kitov Hashem. Taste and you'll see. Sometimes you believe in something so much, you say, just taste it. Just taste it. It wasn't, it was her favorite practice also. Kindalach. Just taste it. You'll like it. You'll eat it. Enjoy it. I don't eat that. I don't like that. I don't eat that food. Just taste it. I promise you, you'll like it. Just taste it. So the Rebona Shalom says, Tamuru'u Kitov Hashem. If you try a life of Amuna, just try it. Just taste it. And you'll see, Kitov Hashem, Hashem is good. Several summers ago, we took our kids to the Coke factory in Atlanta. We took a tour of the Coke factory, which ends, I would suggest going to the Coke factory in the morning, not the evening, because it ends where every kid gets a Coke cup and unlimited supply at these machines of 4,000 flavors of Coke, they could drink as much as they want, and they'll stay awake for the next three weeks. So, the Coke factory. So, at the beginning of the tour of the Coke factory, they talk about the history of Coke and when Coca-Cola was invented, and the marketing, and the advertising, and the bottling, and the plants, and where, and worldwide. It's a fascinating, fascinating tour. But do you know how Coke began? It was not a bottled drink. It was a syrup. And it was sold in pharmacies. And at the counter of the pharmacy, there was like the vat of the syrup, and you would take some syrup and you dilute it with water and mix it and you would drink this magnificent beverage called Coca-Cola. So they struggled at first because who was going to buy this funny syrup and mix it and buy it? So you know what they did? I still remember that they showed this at the beginning of the Coke Museum, the Coke factory. And what did they do? They said, taste. Just take on your own. Don't pay. Just taste it. And that built the dynasty of Coke, a multi-billion dollar company. Why? Tamuru'u Kitov. They said, if you taste it, we're convinced that if you taste it, you like it. Like if you go through Costco and the little nibble of the thing, the, right? So some people look forward to retiring to be able to hand out little doilies, some shtickle, uh, whatever they're giving out over there, crackers, hummus. So taste it. Why do they do that? Why are they giving that out in Costco? Because if you like the millimeter of cracker that you were allowed to taste, then you're going to buy in bulk enough to eat the cracker, the Olam Vayad, till Mashiach comes. So Tamuru, just taste it, and then we got you. So the Ribbon Shalom, David HaMelech says the same thing. Tamuru Kitov Hashem. If you live a life without Emunah, you can be an outsider, but I don't like that food, and I don't like that taste, and that's not my taste, and I don't want to eat that. You could be on the outside of it, or you could say, and deprive yourself of something you could enjoy your entire life, that if you would just taste it, and you'd acquire the taste for it, and you'd realize it's delicious, you could enjoy that the rest of your life, that delicacy. But stubbornly, our children, or we, don't want to try new things. So we say, no, it's not my taste, and I'm not interested, and I don't like that, and I never eat that. Caraway, see, whatever, it's not my stuff, I don't eat that, I don't go near that, I don't taste that. Tamu, just taste it, 
And next thing you know, you're going to acquire a taste to enjoy a delicacy the rest of your life. And there's no delicacy more delicious and greater than the Ribbon Shalom. Tamaru Kitov Hashem. Oh, Amar Kodesh Baruch Hu. Have a mekayim kol mitzvah shenasati lecha b'Torah. Fulfill all the mitzvahs I gave you in the Torah. Imachalta mipera saaretz omina ilan. If you're going to eat from the fruit of the ground called a vegetable or from a tree, have a mevarch alein shemachalta v'lo birachta ata gozel saperes v'saaretz. V'saaretz. Because if you eat and you don't make a bracha, you're a thief. You've stolen. You're not trustworthy. Ulamishu megadlan v'imachal adam berach hu mamlech leboron. But if you eat and you make a bracha. You've coronated God as the king. In other words, if you take something and you pay for it, what are you implicitly acknowledging by paying for it? Implicitly what you're stating is, it belonged to somebody else until I acquired it. There's a proprietor, there's an owner. This is someone else's space. These are someone else's things. And when I pay for it, I'm implicitly acknowledging and stating... I'm confirming this did belong to that person. I validate your existence. You're the proprietor. You're the owner. You're the storekeeper. You own this real estate. And now I've acquired it. So when you make a bracha and you pay for the thing from Hashem, we are implicitly saying there's a boreolam. There's a creator of the world. Hashem is the melech machem lachem. He's the king of kings. He owns everything in it. Lashem ha'aratzum la'ah. Hashem owns the world and everything in it like the person owns the store and everything in it, and I have to pay for it before I take it. And when I pay for it, as I stand at the cash register and pay the cashier, I'm acknowledging Costco, Pathmark, Publix, Winn-Dixie, you exist, you own everything. It's not random, it's not chaos. I can't come and just take what I want. I'm acknowledging that there's an owner. It's not mine until I pay for it, and then I acquire it. And the same is true when we make a bracha, says the Medrash, the Yalkut Shimoni. When we make a bracha, we're not just discharging some obligation, check, made a bracha. If one concentrates on his mindfulness when making the bracha, what we're saying is, this world has an owner. The world has a proprietor. The world is owned by someone and everything in it is owned by that someone. And until I make a bracha, I can't take it. Until I pay for it, it's not mine. So the medrash is connecting the notion of making a bracha and paying for that which we enjoy to tasting and you'll see that there is Hashem. Zesra Anan, who's the Magan Avram, Rav Avram Gambriner, writes in his commentary, If you make a bracha on each item, it's as if you fulfilled all the mitzvahs. So Ravoba points out, why are we equating with making a bracha with doing all the mitzvahs? So you see again for the Magan of Ram that making brachas every day is the means, it's the way that we acquire Yerashamayim. How do you show God we know He exists? We have awe and love and fear and admiration for Him by making these brachos. Wow. Says Ravoba, by making a bracha on what you eat, when you taste the apple, you don't just taste the sweetness, the sugar, the glucose of the apple. By making a bracha, now tamuru, now in the apple, you're tasting also Hashem. Tamuru kitov Hashem. Kol hana tov. You see, if you eat the apple and you don't make a bracha, all you got was some vitamin. All you got was some sugar. All you got was the apple stuck between your teeth. But if you make a bracha on the apple, you didn't just extract the vitamin. You didn't just extract the sweetness. You didn't just eat a food. You didn't just taste 
the taste in the apple, but when you make the bracha, you also tamaru ukitov Hashem. That's what the Medrash is saying. Because what's the connection between tamaru ukitov Hashem, tasting of Hashem is good, and birchas and making brachas? What does one thing have to do with the other? That's the pshat of the Magen Avram. That's what Revolva is saying. Is that when you taste the apple, but first make a bracha, then you're not just tasting the apple, you're also extracting the bracha. You're tasting Hashem. What does that mean? When you make a bracha, not only on the foods that were obligated to make the bracha, but it reminds us that everything I benefit from, everything I enjoy in this world, I just got into my car, and it's a frigid boca day, 55 degrees, and I have a tushy warmer in my car, I could press a button, and now... I'm warm in places I want to be warm. So, wow, Tana, you're getting Hana from this world. I could move my seat backwards and forwards and tune into radio and listen to podcasts. And I have elect. Anyone still remember when you had to wind down a window to get the window down? Now you don't have to wind down a window. Now you, you say, car, open left window. I was with uh, someone the other day, my Chavrusa, when there was a car outside that was honking. So he said, let me check if that's my car. I said, you're going to go outside? He goes, no, I'm going to go on my app of my car and see if my car is honking. I said, you can control your car from the app? He said, yeah, I could make the car come and pick me up. If the car were at my house and I was here, he has a Tesla, he's a fancy guy. So he says, I can tell the car to come pick me up. That's unbelievable, such a hana. Did we ever dream such a hana would exist in our lives? You tell the car, tune into this radio station, lower the left window, close the trunk, make my kids stop fighting in the back. That is... They haven't invented that yet, that piece, that, that they haven't invented. But they should make like one of those limo things where if the kids are fighting, raise the barrier to the back seat. So at least I don't have to see them or hear them or eject them out of the back seat. Maybe they can invent that. Eject the passenger in the back left seat. So that they haven't invented. But think about the speech recognition and what you could tell the car to make it do. It's absolutely unbelievable, the hana that we have in this world. So what Avob is saying, what the Medrash Yalkut Shimon is saying is, if we train ourselves to be sensitive that when we derive pleasure, we should connect the pleasure we're getting to the one who's providing it by saying thank you, then we'll be more attuned to all the pleasures that we get in life, what seem minimal, what seem that we take for granted, that seem that we don't even notice, and we'll be much more appreciative and grateful, and it will all contribute to connecting back to the Ribbono Shalom too. If you are present and mindful when we say the bracha, and you don't just throw it out of your mouth, then it will translate and it will overflow, not just to the apple, but to when you say, car, come pick me up. Everything that you eat has a physical component and a spiritual component. Everything we engage, every air that we breathe, every object that we eat, every place we go, everything we look at, everything we say, everything we do, all of our lives has a physical material component and there's a spiritual energy and a spiritual component to it. Right, there are people who believe, and I'm not offering my own comment on it now, but you know, the energy in the body can be moved, certain therapies, certain healing, certain pain that we have, chronic illness is the result of a blockage of the movement of energy. What does that mean? It means that there's the physical body and physiological symptoms and physiological treatments, and then there is that which we can't be seen. There's an energy that exists. I think even Western medicine acknowledges and recognizes, you know, there's a debate on the spectrum to what degree can you move energy, control energy, heal through energy, but everybody agrees. So just like there's the physical body, which is, which is visible, 
and there's the invisible energy of the body and of the world and that we put out to one another, there's also this spiritual energy that is intrinsic and implicit and inherent in everything that we do and everything that we eat. And everything we eat. So if a hundred times a day you make a bracha, and a hundred times a day you stop and you say, this is not stam, an apple. The Ribbono Shalom is found in this apple. Hashem is in my apple. And when I eat my apple, I've connected with Hashem. I feel His love, its juiciness, its taste, its sweetness. The fact that it's available for me. I didn't have to grow a tree and climb it and pluck the apple. I went to a store and I paid and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't prohibitively expensive. And I have an apple. I didn't buy the organic ones. I have an apple. I have an apple. So, and you say a bracha. Wow, Hashem's in the apple and Hashem is in the chalant and Hashem is in the kugel and Hashem is in the challah and Hashem is in my cup of water and Hashem is in my cup of coffee and Hashem is in everything. A hundred times a day I see Hashem in the physical world. A hundred times a day I transform the physical from just physical and I elevate it to also being spiritual. Kama Kedusha, Kama Emuna, Kama Akaros Hayamam Shechal Atzmo. How much holiness, how much faith, how much recognition would you add to yourself? Kama Yir Hashemayim And how much would you add to a feeling of the presence of Hashem in our lives? Hariza Mamash Kilu Mekayim Kola Mitzvos. It's Mamash like you fulfill all of the mitzvos by, by doing this. All of the mitzvahs by doing this. So I'll tell you, I, I cut out because um, it was fantastic. But in the recent Mizrahi magazine, I think we gave it out in the lobby, there was an article by Rabbanit Yamima Mizrahi, and she spoke about exactly this, and she references this Ali Shore. And she talks about this notion, this exact notion. She said, they're called birchos anen and blessings of enjoyment. Everyone benefits from your bracha. Mesilis Sisharam writes, right, what does she say? If you make a bracha, you will then not only be eating an apple, but consuming jod de vive. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Whatever. Health, charm, and success. And not just for your body, but for your children too. For the bracha expands all of your surroundings. When you make a bracha in the tamuru, when you eat that apple, if you say that bracha out loud and your children see you say, hold on one second, I have to make a bracha. And then you close your eyes and you make a bracha and they see that mommy or Abba are not just eating food, but they're connecting with Hashem. Then you have brought health, charm, success, not just for your body. You haven't just added nutrients to your body. You've added spiritual nutrients to the entire environment around you. It's birchas hanen, and she says in the plural, because it impacts not just you. When you make a bracha and you do it aloud, you've impacted the entire environment, the entire atmosphere. You've changed everything around you. The entire environment is raised. In other words, she writes, when you make a bracha at home, suddenly your son in school remembers a correct answer in his test. Your husband suddenly feels a rush of energy at work. A car breaks to avoid a child on the street. The bracha you make perpetuates the good in the world, elevates and adds to it. As Rechaim Velazhin writes in Nefesh Baruch is not an expression of request, as we're accustomed to think. It's an expression of increase and multiplicity. We receive the main novelty inherent in the month of Shvat. This was written in Shvat. We're up to Adar. But I'll, I'll tell you something about Adar in a moment. How does one make the bracha? You hold the fruit in your right hand if you're a righty. You look at it when you make the bracha and you put your intention into the bracha. I hereby intend to increase light and happiness in the world. When I make this bracha, I'm not just, I hereby intend to put this apple in my belly. It's I hereby intend through making a bracha on this apple to increase light and happiness in the world. I want to change the environment. I want to make it clean, green, 
better energy. I'm going to make it a better environment around me. And whether there's anyone there to literally listen so that you're impacting your children through the model that you're serving, or like she writes, however this works, that you make the brach at home, but your kid in school does well on the test, or your husband, or your whatever, however that works. But we are impacting the entire world and the entire environment. Our brachas have cosmic implications. They're not just a heter. The bracha is not just a matir to eat the apple. It's not that I want an apple, but I can't steal. I can't just take the apple out of Publix without paying, and I can't just eat the apple. So I pay to be able to have access to the apple. It's not just I make the bracha as a form of payment, as a matir to have access to the thing. It's that I eat the apple so I can make a bracha. I eat the apple so I can make a bracha because I want to change the environment. I want my children, my family to have success. I want to bring more light into the world and dispel the darkness. All the darkness in the world comes from the lack of bracha. So when you say, Baruch Atah Hashem, the word you cause is God to be present where you are as you acknowledge Him. And then instead of darkness, you feel the light in His face and His blessing upon you. If the world has darkness, we fill it with light by bringing Hashem down to this world. And then you eat, she writes, and win the lottery. I'm not going to do my Yemim Mizrahi imitation. As it says, in, although I'm really tempted, as it says in Birchas Amazon, God sustains you. And with many nutrients and vitamins. And this is classic Yemim Mizrahi. Vitamin A. Ava, love. Vitamin B, bitachon, security in Hashem. Vitamin C, celebration. Vitamin D, dibur, speaking about blessing, abundance, redemption, renewal. When do we receive joy and happiness? In the bracha she'akol niyeh bedvaro. Everything came to be with his word because this is the bracha that contains everything. We all know people, and maybe ourselves sometimes, who have everything yet are not happy. Many people are married but not happy, have children not happy, have a good living not happy. She'akol is really everything. When making the bracha, you think yourself, creator of the universe, I want to be happy with what I have and with what I don't have. Shakol, that whatever I have, whatever I don't have, and Yebidvaro, it's because it's what you willed. One final word about bracha, she writes from the Pele Yoetz. One should be fearful of putting something in one's mouth without a bracha. If one steals from a king, the punishment is death. How much more so if one steals from the king of kings by not saying a bracha. Food and drink are food for the body. Brachas are food for the soul, which spreads abundance on your eating and drinking. Because man cannot live on bread alone. Only from everything that emanates from the mouth of Hashem does man live. In other words, it is the bracha, the blessing, not the eating, that gives us health and life itself. So we make the mistake of thinking, I need to eat to live. I need to eat. If I don't eat, I'll malnourish and I'll die. I need to eat to live. And the bracha is the means by which I make it permissible to eat. And she writes, this revolve is saying, is that you have it all backwards. It's not true. In order to live, you need to make brachas. What obligates the bracha is eating. So you eat. So that you're obligated in the bracha, because making the bracha is what gives us life. It brings light into the world. It nourishes us. It sustains us in the ways that really count and in the manner that helps us achieve the immortality. So I'll tell you, this is the entire mission of what we're trying to accomplish right now in the Heliga month of Adar. We'll end with this. Today is Rosh Chodesh Adar. I saw a quoted, I heard a quoted from two people so far. The Lubavitcher Rebbe of blessed memory said, when you have two Adars, so then you have 60 days. And when you have 60, you know that something that is against the, that is different than what it's coming into is bato b'shishim. It's nullified in 60. So even if you have a bad day or a sad moment, because this year we have 60 days of Adar, there's 60 days. So if there's a moment of sadness or a sad day, it's bato b'shishim. It's nullified in the 60 in the shishim. Okay, so today is, today is Adar. Today is the first day of Adar, and we're supposed to feel Simcha. And the question is, I just said this in the 10 minutes of meaning also, the question is, I don't understand, so I open my calendar that I got from the Jewish funeral home, or I open the calendar app that I have on my phone that tells the Jewish calendar, and it says, first of Adar, 
and it says on the to-do list for today, be besimcha. What changed in my life from yesterday? Yesterday I was sad, so today my calendar told me to be happy, so I'm happy. Nothing on the calendar changed. Nothing is different. No, nothing in my life is different. So how do I find happiness just because the calendar said so? Does that make sense? Is that reasonable? Is that rational? How exactly does that work? So the more I am, the Chernobyl Rebbe, Rav Menachem Nachem of Chernobyl, he writes the following. He says, Adar, the month of Adar, stands for Aleph Dar. Aleph, the one and only, is Hashem. As we say in Shema, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. There is one singular God. Aleph. How do we achieve Simcha? How do we arrive at Besimcha? When Adar. When Aleph Dar. When Adar, when Aleph Dar, we achieve Simcha. You want to live a life of happiness, then bring Hashem down here into this world. Bring Hashem down into your life. You know what the source of sadness is? Anxiety, fear, anger, jealousy, envy. It all comes from not feeling Hashem in life. Why am I envious? Because I think I deserve, I want, I'm jealous of what they have instead of realizing that whatever I have and don't have, it's for a reason, it was by design, this is what was meant to be. Why do I get angry? Because my ego gets in the way and I have different plans than the way Hashem is orchestrating things. So it's a great act of rebellion to God. I'm worshipping an idol when I think that I'm in control, I get angry. Whatever the quality, the negative quality that's bringing me down and making me sad, it is rooted in not feeling Hashem in your life. When we feel Hashem in our lives, then we're able to take a deep breath and relax. Everything's for a reason, everything has a plan. As uncomfortable, as difficult, as challenging, as unfair as the world is. Not saying to be happy with the pain, the suffering, the challenges of the world. There's real pain, there's real loss, there's real suffering, there's real injustice. But it means that we have the strength and the courage and the resiliency to confront it and to endure it because we know it's not random. It's not by chance. Adar, Aleph Dar. There's a God, and He not only knows about our lives, He's involved in our lives. He's orchestrating and choreographing our lives. He influences our lives. He loves us, and we love Him, and that everything that happens, nothing is random. And when we can feel Alev Dar, Adar, when we feel the sense of Amuna and faith in Hashem, then, then we have nothing to worry about. Alev Dar, that's our entire mission. I say every year, I've said it in this uh, Munashir before, that that's a, that's, we're not having Purim until next month, till the second Adar. But we read Megillus Esther. Our mission in Megillus Esther is to be Megala the Nister, to reveal that which was hidden. Hashem's name doesn't appear in the Megillah. You want to read the Megillah with no Adar, without Alavdar? You want to read the Megillah that was all chance and random and happenstance and coincidence? You could read it that way. You could read it as a string of events that there is no God. But our mission as Jews is Megillus Esther, Megala the Nister. We're supposed to read the Megillah and see Hashem in the story. Read between the lines and realize there are no coincidences and nothing is random. And see Hashem's hand in the unfolding of the story of Purim. And what's true for the Megillah and Purim specifically is true for all of our lives more globally. To live our lives where we read Hashem into the story. That whatever is happening or we ever hope to happen is all the result of Aleph Dar Adar. It's all coming from Hashem. To give Hashem a sense of Adira B'Tachtonim. Hashem is not just abstract and distant and conceptual. Hashem is present and involved in our lives. We relate to Him. We love Him. We connect with Him. We feel Him. We feel Him. You remember when we learned the Chazanish in Amunah B'Tachon? He wrote, if you really live with Amunah B'Tachon, then you're not going to be ruthless with your competitors. You'd be willing to help them. Because you realize... Hashem has enough to make both of you millionaires. So you own a store and someone opens the same store across the street. So if you have no amuna, you're going to try to undercut and go to the distributors and put them out of business and market and lower your prices. And you're going to be ruthless in business because you fear he's going to challenge your parnasa. But if you have amuna and bitachon, you know what you're going to do? You're going to walk across the street and say, how can I help you get started with your business? 
Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. If he wants only one of us to succeed, he'll choose which one. If he wants both of us to be billionaires, we'll both be billionaires. So I saw a story this week. I may write about it in the weekly. In Brooklyn, there was a store that burnt down. There was a fire and it burnt down. And that store, I think it was a fish market, that store's competitor said, come, open your store in my store. You'll do your business in my store until you're back up and running in your store. And when interviewed, he talked about Hashem is the one who provides the Parnassah. is enough for, enough for both of us. How rare to see it actually applied this emuna, that individual, aside from the enormous Kiddush Hashem they made with that public story, Adar, Alef Dar, that's not just keeping Hashem in shul, in the sitter, or in Hashem, Be'ezer Hashem, that's putting Hashem into practical real life when we're faced with challenges or when we have joy and success. Alef Dar, Adar, to feel Hashem. You want sadness? Leave God out of the picture. Push Him away, knock Him out, think about you're on your own, be bitter, angry, resentful, and think that you're independent, everything's on your own. You want to feel comfort? You want to feel confidence? You want to feel happiness? Then Adar, Aleph Dar, see Hashem, welcome Him, lean on Him, trust in Him, be angry at Him. It's also a form of Adar. You're also bringing Hashem down to this world when you love Him and care about Him enough to be angry at Him and disappointed in Him. That also shows Hashem that you believe He's here. That's also Adar. And what you'll feel better about so Adar. It's not just because the calendar says it's Adar, Bibesimcha, it's because Alavdar, living lives where we welcome God in, enables us to feel lives of Simcha. I'll tell you one last thing to close. The Pasik says in Tehillim Pe Aleph, Lo El Zar. Don't have among you a strange God. That's what the Pasik literally means. Don't have among you a strange God. So what does it mean, a strange God? The Kutzker Rebbe is a great Kutzker. Kutzker said, it doesn't mean don't have among you a foreign god as in some other deity, a counterfeit deity. It means the god, the true, authentic, real god, don't make him an El Zar. He shouldn't be a stranger in your life. Don't let him be a foreigner, an outsider, a stranger who you never talk to, who you don't recognize, who you never spend time with, who you don't meet with. Lo yebecha El Zar. Don't have among you a god who's a God, who's an outsider, who's foreign, who's a stranger, who you don't recognize him. Instead, our mission is Adar, Alev Dar. Bring him down, connect with him, feel him. And the result of a life of doing so will be a life of Mar Ben Besimcha, we should all be Zocha, to have a good Chodesh and to feel only the greatest and the highest joy.